Welcome to Marcast, the Marketing Mag podcast series. Today, Dave chats with Akshay Sardana, Acquisition Marketing Manager at Optus and the recipient of the Australian Marketing Institute's Future Leader of the Year Award for 2019. Optus is one of Australia's top 10 brands. Akshay Sardana is one of Australia's top young marketers. Indeed, he is the future leader of the industry, as judged by the Australian Marketing Institute late last year. Together, they are a formidable power and sure to make for a fascinating conversation about the direction of marketing in Australia. Marcast welcomes AMI Future Leader of the Year, Acquisition Marketing Manager at Optus, Akshay Sardana. Akshay, g'day. G'day, Dave. Nice to be here. Mark Philippoussis was widely regarded as a future number one ranked tennis player. Lindsay Lohan, brilliant in Parent Trap, future star, dimmed quickly. Bill Shorten, crowned by the media as future leader of the country, which prompts two crucial questions. Firstly, if not for a career in marketing, would you prefer to be a tennis champion or a movie star or a politician? Well, Dave, I'll pick option four. I would be a cricketer. A cricketer. And uh, a cricketer that has an early prom- promising early career and then a, a great, long, successful career. That's right. Batsman or bowler? Uh, an all-rounder. An all-rounder. The second question that comes to mind is a future leader label can be a curse. So are you too doomed by the label? I'm really excited about the title and the opportunity that it brings with it. Um, I take that very seriously and it's a great responsibility and and I love to be part of the Australian marketing community and sort of contribute towards that to put it on the global map. Well, it's, a, it's a great honour and clearly well-deserved and I look forward to exploring some of the content behind that with you today. Long-time listeners will know that I'm particularly interested in how our profession evolves over time. I finished my marketing degree in the same year that you were born, which presents us with a great opportunity to explore this evolution. So to start with, perhaps you could tell us what is marketing? Dave, marketing for me, I think, has gone through three major phases. Phase number one was all about traditional marketing, long-form storytelling, a lot of work in market, which used to compare different products. You know, a classic example would be Mac versus PC, uh, Coke versus Pepsi. It was all about building a long-term brand story. And then phase number two, which sort of was all about digital. Uh, There was a phase about where everything was about measurement. We almost rationalized marketing ROI to a point where marketers were struggling to defend the budgets and the spend that goes into marketing. And I think the current state and the future state, which is phase three for me, is a combination of phase one and two, but where marketing plays a massive role in business strategy. Marketing influences business strategy. Marketing is part of product development. And this concept of growth hacker marketing, which essentially is really challenging the status quo of how we launch and and take new products to market. My definition of marketing and what I find fascinating about marketing is the power to actually influence someone, the power to actually change somebody's perception of a brand. And I find that really, really powerful. What you're sort of saying is in a way that second phase of marketing evolution went too far one way. And so marketing today is kind of, has kind of come back and it's a balance of those two things. Is that fair to say? 
Very much so. I think digital marketing brings a whole lot of new opportunities in terms of us being able to understand our customers better, talk to them at the right moment with the right message. But I, I genuinely feel there's there's a bigger job at hand for marketers to really build what a brand stands for and, and, and essentially not let go of that because we can we can do two targeted ad doesn't mean that we we stop defining a purpose for a brand purpose you hear a lot of talk about it in the in the media even beyond the marketing media purpose kind of feels like a flavor of the month is that what it is is it just a sort of a the latest trend or is it is it integral to marketing i think it's a core aspect of marketing you know talking as a consumer myself i gravitate towards brands that have a purpose that mean more than just selling a product i'm a big fan of brands that stand for something beyond just selling their product. So I think 10 years from now, you'll see brands surviving in market, which which are beyond what they just sell. Purpose feels like some brands or some industries, some categories are naturally weighted towards that. Perhaps easier to demonstrate purpose associated with your brand if you're in a, a not-for-profit if you're saving the world, maybe if you're listeners from our last episode or uh, we know we were talking about medical research, purpose is perhaps easy to find. Is there hope for every brand in every category to, to find purpose and meaning? I think so. I think, you know, being passionate about technology and, and following a lot of technology brands, I think brands like Nike, brands like Apple really stand for more than just selling a product. It's, it's about the customer experience. It's about taking customers on a journey that's more than just spending $1,500 on a phone. Absolutely. I think every brand and every industry uh, has a job in that space. You mentioned a, a term growth hacker marketing. Can you tell, tell us what you mean by that? Sure. I've been, I've been really fascinated by the, by the term growth hacker marketing and I've been reading a lot into it. Essentially, the difference between traditional marketing and growth hacker marketing is traditional marketing was very focused on, on brand led marketing. It was all about long form storytelling, mass media approach. It has to be everywhere. Everybody needs to see it. Growth hacker marketing, on the other hand, is all about understanding the audience and the opportunity more scientifically. So essentially, you're looking at a more targeted approach. You're looking at, you know, really leveraging your early adopters to, to get that early growth. An example that comes to mind is, you know, I've seen um, grown, seen brands like Dropbox, Airbnb and Uber emerge from nowhere. And just talking about Dropbox, uh, when Dropbox launched, they didn't actually make their service available to the public. There was a video from the founder on a website like Reddit, which essentially was the launch of Dropbox and it went completely viral and the rest is history. So I, feel, I find that really fascinating in terms of um, really challenging the status quo of how a new product should be taken to market. You know, with more and more brands and companies not having a million dollar marketing budget, it's crucial and critical for us to look for creative solutions and, and take those products to market in a, in a new and refreshing manner. Sounds like both a, an, an opportunity and a, and a challenge. One thing people do say about marketing over the journey, particularly marketing communications over the last 30 years, is that the channels to the consumer are so much greater now than they were back then that in a way life was simpler then. You had your, some simple above the line, a couple of media platforms and then some below the line. Now there's so, so many different ways to reach consumers. As a marketer, it sounds like it would present a challenge because you've got all of those options, much more difficult to choose the best one. But in a way, if you get it right, incredibly powerful, as you say, you can, you know, with a very small amount of investment on a particular targeted channel, you can actually get incredible reach and success. Absolutely. I think to your point, there were times where unless your campaign is on TV, there is no campaign. 
and I think digital has changed that for us. You could you could show clearly the the ROI and the reach that you can get through targeted channels if you do that right with a clear product market fit. That it's more effective, if if not the same. And yet, not at the expense of the old traditional media. We've just we're we're recording this just a week or two after the Super Bowl, and companies are sp- still spending the the big eight figure sums on a thirty second TV ad during a sporting event. That's right. I think again, coming back to my my three phases of marketing, I think there's there's a good balance of of doing that brand work and and standing for something out in market and and you know doing your grand gestures like the Super Bowl, but but I think. On, on an ongoing basis, your day-to-day activities, more and more brands are leaning towards more effective means of, of contextual and relevant comms to consumers, which I think, again, stepping back into my consumer shoes, I don't want to see five ads in a day. I want to see something that's relevant and meaningful to me. And as a marketer, I, I keep that in mind and we make sure that we use the right channel for the right consumer. So there's a couple of changes, certainly it's clearly different from my day what what else where's marketing going in in 2020 and beyond sure i see a couple of trends dave that i think uh, the adoption of ai in marketing uh, adoption of um, new technologies whether that's uh, personalized relevant contextual targeting in real time i was just recently reading that the adoption of ai has gone up from 43 percent in 2016 to about 88 percent in 2019 so that's almost doubled over a period of three years and i think it's going to continue to grow the exciting prospect of you know talking to customers in relevant channels and optimize in real time is exciting the second trend that i think and it's much talked about is video being the new static you know with the growth of social platforms like tiktok and instagram consumers are consuming most of their content through video. And again, we've seen this uh, in the work we do, about 68 to 78% of consumers like to know about a new product through a video. And I see that growing year on year. Let's talk about more about the AI and the and the optimized targeting. Where are we, do you think, in the in the evolution of that? Still at the at the early stage and is there a long way to go or or, or forward-looking marketing organizations already really nailing this kind of technology? I would say it's still early days, but there are companies that are adopting the technology and really embracing what it brings to the table. Um, I know there are two schools of thoughts whether AI is going to replace marketers. I am a firm believer that it won't. AI would help us make better decisions. It'll help improve our ability to target customers and give them a better experience, but I don't see that replacing a marketing strategy. You know, we've done some work at Optus through AI and would love to share that and talk about that in some time. It strikes me that some of these technologies and some of these trends are quite arcane or specific, complicated. It strikes me that this puts pressure on a marketing department and marketers that the depth of expertise or the breadth of skills and the need to the depth required in each of those categories is almost overwhelming. I, I can't imagine that as a marketer it can be easy to be an expert in all of these formats to have the insight and intelligence and understanding of what's happening at the pointy end of AI, for example. Does that change? Does that inform how marketing departments are structured? Are you using? Do, do you need to use specialist agencies to support you on this, or third parties, or do you do you resource this internally? Is it a combination of those? I think it's a combination of those. You're absolutely right. Traditional marketers are all, are, you know, it's all about storytelling and, and essentially uh, bringing an idea to life. Whereas, you know, MarTech is moving at a very rapid pace and, and it's essential for marketers to sort of continuously learning. 
continuously developing and keeping keeping in touch with the latest technology. But then the other end of, of that spectrum is engaging the right partners that are bringing these technologies forward. Uh, we've done some work with, with you know, leading partners that are bringing AI uh, in the marketing space. Um, so, so I'd say it's a combination of both. But also, uh, as a marketer, um, an exciting time because you, you know the, the the exposure that you've got to technology to new technology, the variety of skills that you're developing are perhaps broader than it would have been in my day. Absolutely, I think if I if I look at myself as an example, I I'm, I'm constantly uh, finding myself learning more and more about AI and growth hacking and and you know. Uh, having done my MBA, I was taught that you've got to look at a brand story and that's essentially marketing. But out here in the real world, it's all about keeping up to date with changes that Google and Facebooks of the world are making on a daily basis that affects how we talk to consumers. I think marketing as a definition is evolving. What involves successful marketing is evolving. Uh, complexities of a CMO role are, are increasing and, and I think that's an, it's an exciting future. You mentioned education. Do you think clearly as a, as a young and emerging leader, you're at the forefront of marketing trends and changes. Do you think our education, our marketing education, our business schools are at that pointy end as well? Are, you, are we sending out graduates with these skills or are, are we sending out graduates that are very much embedded in 80s concepts of marketing and 4Ps and Cotter and, and, and the education's happening in the real world? Yeah, look, I've, I've definitely seen a shift in education as well, which is, which is great to say. You know, business schools need to adapt and evolve the curriculum and, and the way the courses are structured just because the, the technology is moving at a much faster rate. I've definitely seen that, um, you know, having done my MBA from UTS in Sydney about six years ago, I, I came out and, and, you know, being across and exposed to terms that we use currently in our workplace, which was, which was great to say. I'd like to talk about video a little further. And the first thing that strikes me about all of these new and emerging ways of reaching and communicating with consumers presents a challenge. Through the 90s, we've talked about, you had a, a limited set of channels in which you could reach consumers. And if you were trying to target someone in their late teens or someone in their mid-20s or someone in their mid-50s, then the medium was probably the same. You might have, if you're on TV, you might pick different show, shows to match your demographic, but the medium was essentially the same. Now we're actually talking about choosing different media to target specific segments. If I'm thinking about Optus communicating to my parents who are Optus customers, then video is probably not going to reach them. And so d does that mean that targeting and market segmentation is more important than ever because you've got to know exactly who you're trying to reach to pick the right way to reach them? Yeah, I think I think that's a great topic. And, and data and analytics and insights play a massive role in that space. Speaking of Optus, uh, we do a lot of work in that space. So our day-to-day -day core product marketing is all around data and analytics, right? So you mentioned, you know, if you were to reach your parents who are current Optus customers, we would know exactly how to reach them in a manner where we know they consume media, right? So, for example, if they're engaging with their emails more than they're watching videos on social, we would know that and we would communicate accordingly. Um, the second aspect of that is how do we use data to understand our customers better? How do we understand the emotional and rational triggers 
we do a lot of work in that space. We really dig deeper into the science of decisions and, and why customers choose Optus, for example. Um, and then the second aspect of data is also how we use insights from our media and creative. So we touched briefly on AI. We have actually at Optus last year adopted an AI-led digital media buying and optimization, which sort of helps us make real-time decisions, get insights around what customers are engaging with, what messages are resonating in which channel. We've also adopted a truly unified measurement tool, which sort of explains the impact of each media channel. And I, th I think a combination of all of that to your point, is, is really important to understand a customer segment, build a solution for that segment, and essentially communicate in channels that we, they consume media in. Great. So let's understand more about what you're doing at Optus. Perhaps before we dive in specifically, could you just give us a, a sense of the the framework, the marketing framework at Optus, your role, where that sits in the broader marketing organization at Optus? Sure. So I joined Optus just over two years ago um, and predominantly leading the digital marketing for our prepaid portfolio. Over the last two years, I've had the opportunity to work across different product categories, and I'm currently leading all acquisition marketing for postpaid mobile and SMB. In terms of the structure, we have a centralized marketing function, uh, which essentially has four key pillars underneath. Number one being customer and acquisition marketing. So that's where that's I yours. sort of fit yep, in. Yep. Second one being retail marketing, all things retail. Third one being brand, so a lot of work done in the network space and brand space. And the fourth one being transformation. Transformation being all about making sure that we have the right processes, the right tools, and we are set up for success. It's also looking at the future of marketing and future products. You know, and a good example would be 5G, for example. Taking a step back from marketing as a function, uh, a subject that I'm really passionate about is, you know, what role does marketing play in the business space? We have a department called Marketing and Revenue, which essentially combines your product development, your marketing, and your go-to-market team. And, and we've, we've done that on purpose because we really want to enable that collaboration between the three business units. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that because you know a very common criticism of marketing is that we're a bit siloed. We sit in our hole. We're not connected to the revenue generating side of the business. You know, I was brought up on four Ps and so product is clearly part of the marketing function. And yet in so many organizations, product development sits outside marketing. So it sounds like Optus has deliberately put a structure in place that brings those things together. Um, is that a, is that always been part of the business is it as long as you've been there at least or is it something fairly new and, and what are some of the learnings and observations around how that's working? Sure. I think 2019 was a transformational year for Optus with marketing really driving customer focus as well as you know sparking action for some really important causes. In terms of structure, I think we have looked at how we are structured and whether that's set up for success. There was always collaboration but now there's collaboration in a more formal means where we are accountable for the same shared goals. Uh, marketing is no longer just doing marketing. Marketing is responsible to feed into product through insights, through customer experience insights, and essentially dictate and influence what we take to market and how we take it to market. And it strikes me that you know what, what was crucial in what you said there was the shared goals piece. It's one thing to put these teams together in the same room and say collaborate, but if, if they're all working to a different set of metrics and expected to achieve different outcomes, then it's, it's never going to achieve anything. Let's talk for a moment about the Optus brand. I mentioned in my introduction, it's been assessed quantitatively 
as a top 10 brand in Australia. It's clearly incredibly valuable. It's not a particularly ancient brand, certainly when you look at some of the other Australian brands in the top 10, probably one of the newest, if not the newest. This has had a life roughly about as long as yours. Yep. The brand evolution of Optus is the Optus brand essentially the same brand that was launched in 1991 or is it changed? significantly? I would say it's changed significantly. The core essence of the brand hasn't changed though. What we stand for, and you would have seen, we have a clear symbol of yes that follows all our marketing and and all our work in market, which is our optimism of standing for yes in the face of no. I think that core essence for Optus hasn't changed. The meaning of that has. The meaning of that has evolved. We are conscious that, you know, consumers have evolved, their needs have evolved, and as a brand, we need to evolve. I mentioned 2019 being a transformational year. There were there were two key moments during the year where we sort of saw a shift in what we stand for as a brand and how we sort of talk to consumers. One was Women's World Cup, and the second was a campaign we launched at the back end of last year, which was Donate Your Data. And, and essentially, that's just the beginning for Optus playing a much bigger role than just being a telco in Australia. And you'll see some really exciting stuff come through next year. Which loops back to what we were talking about earlier about purpose and about having a meaning beyond just the mere function of the product. That's right. So if I take an example of Donate Your Data, you know, as a telco, we give away heaps and heaps of data per consumer. There's a whole segment of population that does not get access to technology or internet at all. As a brand, we have a role to play in that space. What we did with Donate Your Data is encourage and enable our customers to donate unused data every month, which then goes to people in need. So we've partnered with the Smith family, and we have access to kids um, and people who do not have access to internet, and we do our bid in making sure that they do get access to internet. Uh, And that's just one way of us contributing back to the Australian society and community and really standing in that space and and doing what we need to do as a brand. There are two big players in your space in Australia. Optus was originated as a challenger brand. It had a clear point of difference to the incumbent. Is is Optus still a challenger brand or has that evolved as well? I think Optus is definitely a challenger brand in terms of us having the ambition to be number one. And, And you'll see that come through in the years to come. I would not say it's a challenger brand in its traditional meaning of being a startup. I think we're a much more mature brand today. Uh, we know exactly who we are and where we want to go. So in the sense of us, you know, having a mature purpose and a mature direction, we, we have definitely evolved, but we are definitely, as a brand, we are very mature and we definitely know where we want to go and we're going to continue moving on that path. Yeah, it strikes me that an element of that maturity is, yeah, as, as a younger brand, it was very much defined by, through someone else's lens, where everything that the other mob aren't. And the maturity of the Optus brand is has moved away from that, and it's not just we're the opposite. We're not not you're not defined in relation to another brand anymore, but you have your own attributes and 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 meaning and purpose independent of of anyone else, which is an, a really key element of that maturity. Yeah, and I think there's there's customer insights there where we're seeing the new generation not believing in brands that are constantly comparing themselves to other brands. I think, and as as a consumer myself. I don't want to see a brand constantly comparing themselves to another brand. I want to see what they stand for, what's the individual unique proposition that the, that brand brings to the table and why I should buy into that brand. So I think we have consciously looked at that. We we are running our own race. 
we are here to make sure that we are doing better than we were doing yesterday and we're going to continue doing that. I know a lot of this is commercially confidential, but can you at least give us some insight into some of the some of the things that we'll be seeing from the brand and the and the business in in the future or some of the directions that you're going? Look, I can't go into the details as you said, but again, you'll see a lot of work come through from us which positions us as a brand that is not here to just sell phones and SIM cards. And again, I'll refer back to some of the work we did last year on, you know, helping communities, helping a good cause. Uh, You'll also see Optus Adopt really embrace the test and learn framework, uh, you know, with AI, with marketing ROI, with likes of digital personalized out of home. You'll see Optus embrace a lot of that technology and almost be a market leader in that space because we truly are passionate about customer experience and we think adopting the latest technology helps in that space. You'll also see a shift fundamentally in us, you know, constantly being in market with products that compare us to our competitors. We have a very clear direction in terms of building solutions that solve customer problems. So we've done a lot of work in understanding what the customer feedback is, what are some of the needs uh, of customers from a telco perspective. So you'll see more solution-led offers in market. From a content and entertainment perspective, that's that's a passion point for us with, you know, Optus Sport owning football in Australia, and you'll see a lot more in that space as well. Talk to us about sport, because it was, was it a controversial strategy at the time to take those football broadcast rights? Um, probably, maybe not controversial. It was certainly a bit of a surprise to, to many and a, and a move in a different direction for Optus. There were some questions at the time about whether it was the right move, whether it was sustainable, and clearly at times proven that it was because the business is continuing to invest in it and, and take it further. Do we expect to see more investment in that direction? There's talk about the rugby rights coming up and that would be doubling down on the bet. Is that uh, is the business as committed to sport as it would need to be to make another investment of that scale in that direction or is it, is it does it remain a sort of a fringe nice to have element of the business look without without talking specifics it's it's a commitment from the business and and to your point we've continued to invest in that space and we will continue to do so content and and entertainment actually is a, is a, is an important pillar for optus and and the reason i say that is that's our value differentiation in market we we want to be more than just a telco uh, and we think with people consuming more and more content on their mobile devices, we want to be that brand that brings that to them. We want to give them that experience and be that one-stop shop uh, for Optus customers. So uh, long story short, you'll see a lot of investment and a commitment from Optus in that space. Which this convergence of, of some different industries clearly opens up the concept of new competitors. No longer are you only as a business competing against a, a telco and infrastructure provider, but you're you're competing against other organizations for sporting rights and those sorts of things. As a business, do you deliberately and strategically define your competitor set more broadly than you might once have in the past? And do you, how do you go about understanding the competitive landscape and what, what kind of, uh, is that part of the, the marketing department? From a marketing perspective, we obviously look look after marketing of our, our sport entities, uh, but we have a specialized unit, sort of almost a business unit of its own that looks after the sports and entertainment as a product proposition and has relationships, you know, defined a competitor set, which is sort of different to our traditional telco competitor set. So I think from a product proposition perspective, it, it's handled as a separate unit because we want to make sure that we are not diluting that uh, and not making that part of our core 
product marketing function because it needs the time and the effort and the expertise to to succeed but from a marketing perspective you know it's a it's a value add it's a why optus element for customers when when we go out to market and talk about a postpaid mobile offer we give you free optus support with that and and that's a that's a that's a reason for customers to come to us and some of the customer research has shown us that there's there's a whole segment of people that joined optus because they joined optus support first and and that insight for us you know is is what drives us to to keep working in this space i can imagine that's a pretty compelling you know differentiation's really difficult to be able to identify one single lever that drove customers to your network is a pretty powerful and exciting insight and something that you'd be spending a, a fair bit of time looking for the next one absolutely and you, and again you'll you would have seen we've done some more work in that space last year when we launched uh, a partnership with Apple Music in terms of giving Optus customers free access to Apple Music for 12 months on certain eligible plans so i think again we are constantly looking for opportunities that give consumers more than just what they get from a telco we want to give them the best experience possible with music content and entertainment consuming most of your day we want to make sure that that optus is top of mind my car now comes with a, a free spotify account it's a fascinating time isn't it it is isn't it it's the, it's a good time to be alive david actually i have six quick questions and i need the answers all within 60 seconds. Let's do it. Clock starts now. A brand really really getting it right. Apple. Talk about a campaign, a marketing campaign or strategy that you just love that sort of, you know, your your pinup. It could be an all-time favorite or a recent standout. I think my all-time favorite is a campaign from Apple which was by the Mac. It's 2006, clearly showing the benefits of buying a Mac and it was pretty disruptive at the time. Biggest difference between marketing now and marketing in 5 years from now. Marketing in 5 years would be a, a core part of the business strategy and part of product development. Is there a leading marketing practitioner or writer or blogger or thinker or mentor that stands out? I've got a few, but top 2 would be Keith Wade, ex CMO of Unilever. Um and then I've got Simon Sinek as a thought leader that I'm a big fan of. Marketing in three or four words. Changing perception. Thanks to Akshay Sardana for giving up his time to appear on Marcast. Next time he'll tell us all about his career, his obsession with tech and what it means to be a future leader.